And so as we start, I've got some questions for you, yeah? So you're going to have to stand up if you like the first answer better than the second answer. I'm going to go quick, so you've got to get it right. So stand up if you like... We're like on the same wavelength. He knows what I'm going to say. Stand up if you like surfing better than skating. They were your two choices. Nice one. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. Stand up. Stand up if you think a dead cat would be funnier than a crying meerkat. <laughs> so much judgment. Take a seat, take a seat. This one shows your true colours. Stand up if you would rather do a nudie run than go to school. <laughs> Solid effort. Take a seat. Stand up if you would rather get your mum's name tattooed on your arm than shave your head. Oh. <laughs> All the girls. <laughs> nice work. Take a seat. Good stuff. Let's bring it back in. So a whole bunch of those questions. Listen to Zach. A whole bunch of those questions divided us. Hey, so you divided with different people over different things. But every time we were divided because not all of us want to do a nudie run. Some of us would rather go to school. Um, and so we are <laughs> we're talking tonight about things that divide. Things that divide. Um, and so those questions divide us. And Jesus actually also divides us. Um, and so the two bits of the Bible that we read tonight are in a larger chunk, which is all about Jesus coming back to judge and the chunk is also about what that means for us now. And I think the answer, and I hope that you guys are going to see this, is that we need to live waiting. Um, and so tonight, we're going to look at one really big way that that happens. Jesus divides people now because ultimately, he divides people eternally. Um, and so while we do this, um, I need an assistant. So Curtis, wherever he is, is going to come up the front. And what we're going to do is Curtis is going to have this table and he's going to stand over here and he's going to go over there and get some plastic bags and the things that are around them and then come back. No, no, we've just got one volunteer. We're all good. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll take this, but you can have the rest. Um, so the go tonight, who remembers that D word? It's on the screen. Yell it out for me. Divides. Jesus, got to be listening. Jesus actually divides people. And so the go is that Curtis is also going to divide things. So we're going to read the Bible together. Curtis is going to stand there. He's going to choose things on the stage to divide. Um, no, he's not. As we read the Bible, every time I say the word divide, Curtis is going to divide something, yeah? So that means that you guys need to be listening. Make sure he doesn't miss one. But also pay attention to what's actually happening in the passage. He may divide the Bible, but maybe not. Um, so check out your Bibles. Open them up. Look at them, not at us. 
Um, and if you're looking at Luke 12, 49 to 53, because that's the first chunk we're going to sit in, the first thing we see is that Jesus divides now. <laughs> so we're looking especially at those verses where Jesus says, where Jesus says, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? Are you reading along with me? No, I tell you, but rather division. Did Jesus really say that? Ask the person next to you, did Jesus really say that? Because, bring it in. Because I don't know about you, but I've been around church for a little while and I thought Jesus was all about peace. Did you think that? Because if you think about it, Jesus tells us to love our neighbour And peace is one of those fruits of the Spirit. And Jesus even stopped the disciple who cut off the ear of the guy who tried to arrest him. Jesus seems like he's all about peace. And the stuff that he came to tell us is even called the gospel of peace. So did he really say, I haven't come to bring peace? Hold that question and look at the text with me. Because Jesus tells us what he actually did come to do. Um, So look at verse 49. Open up your Bibles and look at verse 49. It says, I came to cast fire on the earth. Did Jesus really say that? He's not about peace now. He's about fire? But it's actually not the only time. Because if you flicked back a couple of books, don't do it now, but you can chase it up later. In Matthew 10.34, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. So Jesus has come to bring a fire and a sword. And so the fire here, it could be judgment. um, Because that's kind of the way the Bible uses the word fire a whole lot. Um, But it's probably not because Jesus is bringing it to the earth. We do know, though, that fire and a sword both divide. (laughs) A sword cuts people in two, yeah? Much like a knife. Um, And a fire burns some things, burns some things, and refines some things. They both divide. And so Jesus (laughs) is comparing the gospel to fire. The gospel, which is the truth that Jesus is God's son, a perfect man who died in love so that you could know God. That's the fire that he brings. And the first example of this division is in the next verse. (laughs) Good one. Um, Jesus' death, and he calls it his baptism. So take a look at the Bible. Jesus says, my baptism's coming. And so (laughs) people are going to divide. And some people... We're going to stop this if you guys can't listen and watch at the same time. Awesome. Jesus' baptism is coming and people are going to divide over it. Some people are going to want to kill him and people are going to hate him and he's going to die. And so Jesus actually suffered from this division heaps more than we ever will. But then he actually warns us that it's coming for us as well because he says, I haven't come to bring peace. And so, I reckon some of you are probably sitting there and thinking, what a jerk. Like, 
Really? Like, if that's why Jesus came, I would rather that he never came. If Jesus came to break up me and my friends and to break up me and my family, then I would rather that he stayed in heaven and never actually came to earth. Maybe. Um, But what if it was like this? Imagine with me. Imagine there's a six-lane highway and it's leading towards a cliff. And so it's, imagine that it's nighttime, people can't see properly and everyone's driving towards this cliff and if they don't stop, they're going to drive over the cliff and they're going to die. And imagine that Jesus is the guy standing there in front of them, yelling at people, telling them to stop. And he's signaling and he's trying to get people to stop. And some people can see him and some people listen, but some people don't. And so when people see him, they start reversing and they start hitting other cars and it gets really chaotic. If everybody listened to Jesus, everybody would turn back and there wouldn't be any division. But because some people don't listen, there starts to be division. We go to our death, not because... Jesus didn't warn us, but because we didn't listen. So Jesus isn't a jerk. But I bet some of you weren't thinking, what a jerk. But you're instead like, awesome. That means if Jesus came to divide people, then I get to be, (laughs) then I get to be a total jerk. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm just following Jesus. He told me to divide people. I'm being a jerk. I'm dividing people. It's what it's all about. Um, but that's actually not what's happening, hey. So think back to those cars running off a cliff. The cars turning back, reversing, trying to get out of there. They're not ramming other people on their way through, trying to make them get over the cliff faster. They're probably desperately tooting their horns, trying to get everybody else to reverse as well. Jesus actually tells us that we need to love our neighbours, love everybody. As far as it depends on us, We should live at peace with everybody. But because some people don't listen, we will get divided. (laughs) Um, And so actually, if you're checking out your Bible, look at verse 52. (laughs) Jesus, check out verse 52 with me. Jesus actually divides the very people that are supposed to be on the same team. And so I'm going to read out verse 52 for you. It says, From now on, in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two and two against three. They'll be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus divides families. (laughs) And so I don't know about yours, But my family divides over a whole bunch of really silly things. Um, So it's mainly reality TV. And you actually don't want to be around my house when, like, MasterChef or Survivor is on. Because if all my family is there, we're sitting in the lounge room and we're watching it. And we've all picked a favourite person. Does this happen in your family? We've all picked a favourite person and we're rooting for them like nothing else. And so we're, we're just dissing everybody else who's on there. We're jumping up and yelling at the TV screen like probably pushing over the person in my family who doesn't go for the same person. We totally divide (laughs) over who we're going for. Um, And that kind of sounds a lot like what's going on in verse 53. And I bet your family 
has the things you divide again over as well. Um, so whether that's who gets control of the TV remote or where you're going on family holidays or what footy team you should go for or games, any of those things, people actually get divided over. But dividing over Jesus is a little bit more serious. And a whole bunch of you guys actually know this firsthand. So put your hand up for me if you are a Christian and someone in your family isn't a Christian. Awesome. Keep your hands up. Put your hand up if you're not a Christian and people in your family are a Christian. Or put your hand up if um, there's heaps of people in your life, whether they're in your sport team or at your school, who aren't a Christian. If one of those is you, chuck your hand up. I reckon there's probably no one in this room who doesn't have their hand up. Um, and my hand is right up there with you. Because um, families are obviously the example that Jesus gives, but they're actually not the only people that he divides. But when you see that, it looks like there should be division everywhere in our lives. But what does that division look like? Because I don't know about you, but my family still live together. They're not Christian and I am a Christian but we live together. And I still really like all my friends, even though some of them aren't Christians. Um, but we actually are divided over Jesus because we disagree about who he is. And so that can look like a whole bunch of different things. Um, but in my family, it means that my parents don't really like it when I come to church. Um, they think it's really weird and they would much rather that I was doing something with them. And that can be really hard but I'm on Jesus' team. And my friends don't understand why I don't go out with them on Friday nights anymore. And they don't really like it when I sit and read that weird old book instead of hanging out with them. But I'm on Jesus' team. And so some people are on Jesus' team and some people aren't. That's actually what happens when Jesus divides. Can you see that that's true in your life? Take a minute and think about it. Can you see Jesus dividing people? In your life? Because <laughs> um, if you're thinking back and you're like, I don't know, I don't think I ever really disagree with non-Christians. I reckon we're pretty sweet most of the time and nothing really changes between me and the non-Christians in my life. Then I reckon the question you need to ask is whose team are you actually on? Whose team are you actually on? Because you actually have a choice between teams. You don't need to be on Jesus' team. We can't make you be on Jesus' team. Um, but I promise you that Jesus' team is actually better. But it won't be easier. Because when you become a Christian, you're choosing to obey God instead of doing what you want in every decision you make. You're actually choosing to hear God speak as you read the Bible every single day. You're choosing to pray to God and pray that he would come back because you want to be with him more than you want this life. You're choosing to come to youth group every single Friday because this is your new family, even when it's not the most fun thing you could be doing on a Friday night. You're choosing to give away money so that people can hear about Jesus. You're choosing to follow Jesus with everything you have, even when people are going in the other direction. You're choosing to be divided from them because you're now on Jesus' team. And if your life looks like that, 
you're going to really quickly see that Jesus actually does divide people. Um, but now is actually just a taste of the future. So pick your Bibles up again. Take a look at Luke 13. Um, it's two bits in a larger chunk. And we're going to read the, we're going to look at the first five verses of Luke 13. Um, because the fact that Jesus divides now is actually just a taste of the future. Because Jesus also divides people eternally. Um, so in this little bit, if you're reading it, you should be. Um, people have come to Jesus telling him about some Galileans who've been killed by the local governor. And you can read what Jesus says. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so these people have come to Jesus and Jesus turns it back on them. This is saying it's not that those Galileans were particularly sinful. That's not what meant that they died a particularly horrible death. Jesus is actually saying that we're all equally wicked. We all equally turn away from God. And so we actually all equally deserve to die in the same way. We all deserve to die like that. Turn to the person next to you, ask them, did Jesus really say that? Nice one. Did Jesus really say that? Thanks, guys. The reason that I think we ask that question is like, did Jesus actually just make us to perish? And even if we deserve to die, isn't the God we talk about at youth group all the time supposed to be like really loving and really merciful? And so if that's true, shouldn't he just turn a blind eye and forgive us because we're really not that bad? Did Jesus really say that we would die like that? But the passage says, you all will likewise perish. We're all going to die and face God's anger and be punished for our whole lives being one big episode of stuff you got. I don't care. That's what we deserve. There actually should only be one option. If the passage ended there, if the Bible ended there at you will perish, God would actually be entirely fair. He actually doesn't have to give us a second option. Have you ever thought about that? God would be really fair if he didn't give us that second option. But instead, Jesus delays the death that we deserve. And he gives us another option. See it in the passage, look at your Bibles. We can perish or we can repent. And so Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so repentance is when you turn and trust. There are two big T words I want you to remember. Turn. It's when you turn from living for yourself, turn from the stuff you got attitude that we were just talking about. But instead, you trust. You trust that the only reason you can even do that is because Jesus took the rap for you doing all of those things. So repentance, repenting, is saying sorry and then actually changing because you're actually sorry. And so I reckon this idea of repentance is a little bit like surfing. And so lots of you guys are much better surfers than I am, but I've been pretending a little bit recently. 
A friend has been trying really, really hard to teach me, and I love it, but I'm really, really bad at it. And so I'm the person who's really stoked just sitting out the back and being like, I paddled out here, and I'm just going to stay here. But when I finally do get up the courage to get on a wave, I'm trying, and I will probably pretty quickly fall over the nose of my board. But while I am standing up there, I'm pretty chronic at just dropping in on people because I can't control it. I've got no idea what I'm doing. And so I learned really, really quickly that dropping in on a local is not fair game at all. They hate it. And so I'm some girl sitting out in the surf doing stupid things because I've got no idea. And then I drop in on these locals and they just give you that look. And it's like, it's deathly. They just stare at you and they're like, you just ruined my perfectly nice afternoon surf. And so unless I'm yelling out, sorry, pretty quickly, I'm not going to be around that break much longer. My options are say sorry or get gone. And Jesus in this passage kind of gives us the same option. And it's like, did Jesus really say that? Are my options really just repent or perish? It's pretty harsh. But it makes sense. Because we do deserve to perish, but instead, Jesus gives us the option to repent. And based on your choice, Jesus divides people eternally. (laughs) And so the question has to be, whose team are you on? Whose team are you on? Why wouldn't you repent? Because hell is actually real. God's anger is real. It's eternal and it's kind of really scary. And if this didn't matter, I wouldn't be here. Look at your leader. If this didn't matter, they wouldn't be here. There are so many other places that we could be. But because this is true, we're here. Because each of us is on Jesus' team. And we so desperately want you guys to be on Jesus' team as well. And so if you're someone in this room who is on Jesus' team, whose team are you friends on? Whose team are your friends on? Because if Jesus divides eternally, where do you want them to be? I saw a video recently of an atheist guy. Some of you guys might have seen it. And he said one line, which was really, really powerful. He said, if you really believe it, if you really believe all the things that Christians do, how much must you hate people to not share it with them? If you really believe that your friend's options are to repent or perish, how much must you hate them to not share it with them? Because so many of your friends don't know that that's their choice. And be- they're going to perish because they don't know they can't re- they, that they can repent. Because you didn't tell them. Someone hasn't told them. And so I'm actually only here because when I was in high school, my friends invited me to youth group. My friends prayed for me. They told me about Jesus. They invited me to youth. And then they kept inviting me back. Don't hog Jesus. Tell people that they can repent. And so as you do that, Do it lovingly, yeah? So telling people this probably doesn't look like running up to them and shaking them and be like, Curtis, you either need to repent or perish. They're your only two options because they'll think you're crazy and you will look crazy. (laughs) So don't do it like that. 
love people. Be gentle in the way that you do it. But do do it. It's that important. So what have we seen? I reckon we've seen two things. We've seen that Jesus divides now. Jesus divides people who are on his team and people who aren't. And Jesus does that because he divides eternally people who are on his team and people who aren't. And so if you're not on Jesus' team, now we'll probably be pretty okay. You won't have to offend anyone because of what you believe. You can kind of do just life the way you want. But you'll actually be ignoring God. And so you'll deserve to die and feel his anger. But if you're on Jesus' team, you're actually going to feel it now. You're not going to have peace with people. But instead, you'll have peace with God and you will be with him forever. So imagine, right? We're talking about now and eternity. Imagine that now and eternity are measured in a toilet paper roll. So this is life now and eternally. And so if they were measured in a toilet paper roll, I reckon that life now would be that first square. Just that. That's what's now. And all of this is what's to come. See how much more there is? If you're on Jesus' team, you actually won't have peace with people now. Not in that first square. It mucks up that. But you actually get peace with God for every single square after that. Would you really give up that much for that little? Jesus divides people now. He divides people eternally. And so, I reckon what we need to do is be on Jesus' team. It's the only option that makes sense. Um, And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank Jesus that we have another option and that we can be on his team. So pray with me. God, thanks heaps that you actually speak to us in the Bible. God, thank you so much that we can hear your words, um, that you tell us about what life is like now. Um, but you also show us what eternity will be. God, thanks heaps that we don't have to make decisions just based on now, um, but that everything we do um, can also um, yeah, know that eternity actually is coming, that you are actually real. Um, God, we want to thank you that we don't have to perish anymore. Um, God, that that's not our only option, but that instead, because Jesus died, we can repent, we can turn and trust, and we will be with you forever. Um, God, we want to thank you for that. Um, And God, we want to pray that we actually would be people who are on your team always. Um, God, whether we're people who kind of haven't made that decision yet, God, help us to believe. Or whether we're people who made that decision ages ago, God, help us to keep trusting. Uh, God, help us to know that as um, we live like people who are on your team, um, that we actually will be divided. Uh, God, help us to... Um, not be worried of being divided from people uh, because we actually know that we have peace with you instead. And God, we want to thank you for Jesus. Uh, God, thank you that we get to follow the best saviour. Amen.